just Kane and Kane, and then there's going to be a jersey that says E Kane, and then one says P Kane, and <laughs> it's the Sedins all over again. What's up, and welcome back to the Crude Oil Podcast. It is the Tommy Sallow episode. Former Edmonton Oiler, former Olympian, former criminal. Do you know that? Former criminal? What do you mean? Well, I guess he did time. Does that make you? Yeah, it makes you a criminal. You I mean, time, I guess yeah, makes you a criminal. What did he do time for? I want to say drunk driving. I want to say drunk driving. Criminal. Let's see what the old Google machine says. Sentenced to two months in prison for pleading guilty for aggravated drunk driving. There you go. Okay. Well, then. Hot hot start to this episode. Wow. (laughs) I mean, should we be using Tommy Sallow? And there's also some other great goalies to choose from, like uh, Dwayne Rolison. Dwayne Rolison, yeah. Yeah, you know... As soon as I, I hear 35, though, I go straight to Tommy Sallow, and uh, I mean, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. Hey, it's fine. I'm, I'm down for Tommy Sallow. Everybody still loves Tommy Sallow. Uh, that's true. That's true. I digress. How's it going, Sean? It's going good. Not enjoying this cold-ass weather as this winter has been way too warm, and now this is just ridiculous. Yeah, this bullshit of the last week of Feb- February, like we're thinking we're getting out of this, and... I guess no cigar <laughs> to be fair. It's probably going to get better right away, but we probably shouldn't sit here and talk about the weather forever. Yeah. Yeah. Or, uh, or, um, other non hockey related things. <laughs> We're recording this, uh, the night after the, the Philadelphia Flyers game where the Edmonton Oilers p- picked up their first win in what felt like eons after the, the week of loser points. I'm glad we waited. Cause I was literally going to name the title of this episode loser points. Well, it's about goddamn time to tell you the truth. That game actually reminded me kind of of the Detroit game where we just came out super flat and didn't have a very good like first, let's just say 40 minutes. And then we just kind of came back in the third period. However, this time we got some goaltending to help keep the score on the other end down. So that was quite nice. It's, It's tough the way Campbell's not having that consistency, you know, that he used to have in, I want to say January towards the end there. But that uh, he had a tough weekend, hey? It wasn't great. It's, it's to the point where now everybody's kind of calling for Jack Campbell's head and are ready to move on and go back to Skinner because of how poor he has been, I guess. Especially in the game against Colorado, I think he was very weak. And like I like to preach playing good defense and trying not to blame the goalie, but all of the stats that I saw after the game, all the advanced stat bullshit pretty much said that he was the reason that we lost. Yeah. I, again, I'm with you. You try and find other reasons, but I, I you gotta, you gotta look at him at that point. But I, I mean, he knows it. Well, and yeah, and I preached also that we shouldn't need to score five goals plus to win a game. And when <laughs> that was required prior to the game against Philly, like, I, I don't know what else to say. Like, we just need to keep the puck out of the net. Like, we gave up four yeah. goals against the Rangers. We gave up six goals against Colorado, five goals against Detroit, six goals against Montreal. Like, it it's just not good enough. Uh, yeah. I mean, back to the winning streak we had right before the All-Star break, that was the success that we had. Is the fact that they're keeping, you know, 
a minimum of three goals in the back of the net. I was really nervous last night when that first goal went in on Skinner. Was that the first one, the wraparound? That was just like garbage. Yeah, it was a but, little shaky, that's for sure. But it was, yeah, yeah. Uh, prior prior to this stretch of games, Edmonton went. It looks like twelve or so straight games allowing three goals or less. Yeah, that's a pretty good run. That's yeah. that's gonna win you a lot of hockey games. Well, and like you did say you were going to name the title of the episode loser points. And we have to remember, at least we're getting the loser points. As much as I want to be mad, we only have one regulation loss in like the past 15 games. So, yeah, it's very true. It's very true. Uh, But to that caveat, um, I know one of the things that we've noticed, uh, of course, it's been mentioned the eight straight extra time losses that the Oilers had uh, have. I shouldn't say had. Uh. I, I wonder if there would what the the standings would look like if we kind of sorted out that loser point based by uh, loser point gained or loser point kind of lost. You know what I mean? Like if you had the lead in the third period and you blew it, you get less points for that loser point. I don't know if you structure it to a fucking four point um, tiered structure. I don't know, but it it'd just be like really interesting to see. How many teams are blowing leads and still getting that point uh, versus, you know, f- still in the fight? Man, don't give me any ideas to waste my time putting all this into <laughs> an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, it- it'll create quite the uh, the matrix for you. Yeah, and I, th- I think the biggest issue that the team had in this last stretch, especially um, in the two games against the Rangers in Colorado, is they could not hold the lead to save their lives. Blowing oh two God. straight three-goal leads was completely embarrassing and I think probably blew the two games out of proportion a little bit for how, like, quote-unquote badly the Oilers played. But you have yeah. to look at it, too, and be like, oh, we came out really strong, which tends to be one of our weakest aspects of our team. So that was great to see. And we were minus uh, Vinny DeHarnay, who appears yeah. to be one of our best defensive defensemen. And I'd like to point out that he was out there for the final, like two minutes of the game last night. I noticed that too. Uh, that was pretty, uh, pretty eye opening for sure. But I- I'm with you. Like, it's crazy to think that you can rely on a rookie that much, but they just seem to play better. Now on the topic of that, uh, I wanted to bring up something that popped up on the score bug with uh, Jay Woodcroft and the Oilers record. I don't know if you saw this, but the Edmonton Oilers record is like low 500s when they run 12 and 6. When they swap to 11 and 7, it's like mid 700s. Yeah, it's a huge difference. And I think that probably speaks more to Edmonton's center depth that they have when you're running McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nuge, and McLeod, and even Derek Ryan. Um like that's great center depth to be able to just roll those guys constantly and have one of them on the ice at all times. And I think like the reason I brought it up now is because I like I think with uh, DRNA in the lineup, like if you've got more guys on the back end that you know you can you know isolate their strengths and you don't have to take like a Darnell Nurse and force them out on the ice for twenty eight minutes because you have no other options. I think it allows a lot of the guys just to shine in their own, um, you know in their own strength areas of the game. Well, it takes a lot of the defensive zone, like uh face-offs, for example, away from guys like Barry and Bouchard, who are more focused on offense and moves them over to DeHarnay, which I think is very helpful for them as well. Um, not to say that like Barry, I think had a really good game 
last night. Yeah. I think Bouchard had probably one of his worst games of the season last night. <laughs> I was going to ask you if you noticed that as much as I did. Wow. Yeah, it was a little painful to watch, but uh, I guess sometimes you just don't have a great game. And I know it's the ebbs and flows of hockey, to be fair. Like, look at Warren Fogel when he had the two goals. Everybody was screaming for his head in the first period because he had just taken back-to-back penalties and terrible yeah. penalties at that. And I know my buddy texted me. He's like, just bench Fogel. I'm done with this. And then he goes on and scores two goals. And he's like, Are you got to be fucking kidding me. Yeah. See, uh, with him in particular, I think uh, I, I was watching the game with some buddies last night and we were talking about how Warren Fogle, I have no issue with keeping him in the lineup night after night after night because when Warren Fogle's struggling, it's just because he's not getting the right bounces. You rarely see Warren Fogle take a dumb or make a dumbheaded decision with the puck. Um, I mean, I'm sure I'm going to say that and people are going to point out everything, but I just, I see him as a, a steady worker. Uh, I mean, yeah, he'll take some dumb penalties here and there, but I still think that you're going to get a better consistent effort out of him than you will half those bottom six players. Well, yeah, I've really liked, it's not what he's brought last year, to be fair. He did not show up seemingly every game and put in that worker-like effort. Um, in, in comparison to this year, he's really showed up and like you said, he digs and grinds and he's great at carrying the puck too there's been a few times where i see that seven on the side of his jersey and i'm like that's not fogel is it there's no way that's fogel that's got to be mcdavid yeah but that's seven on the back of the jersey (laughs) yeah he's been he's been really good honestly i've been quite impressed and i think it kind of leads down the path of him no longer being the odd man out on the wings and you want to point more fingers at like guys like Pugliarvi and I know Yamamoto just came back, but you might want to point at him as well. Yeah. Let's get into the Yamo talk because uh, he returns to the lineup last night. Um, it wasn't last night, was it? I'm uh, losing. No, it was not life. last night. It was three nights ago. Jesus. When they, <laughs> they had to send down Holloway and Deharnay. It was three games ago. I don't know why. Yes. I knew that too, because there is those corresponding moves. Um, <laughs> Fuck, what a week. Um, yeah, so obviously with the non-waiver uh, moves to send down uh, Dayarnay and Holloway, I saw the Holloway injury and I was like, of fucking course. Like, does this always just seem to happen? Like, a, a, a shoulder injury for a rookie for the Edmonton Oilers. It goes together like fucking... Pick a pick pick a phrase, man. I don't know. Nail Yakupov and bees. There you go. Yes. <laughs> uh yeah, I can't believe you couldn't think of just peanut butter and jam there. That's hilarious. That um, there's a <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's pretty unfortunate. And I feel really bad for Holloway because like he did get sent down, get immediately hurt, and now he's on his AHL salary, earning a tenth of what he would have earned had he been in the NHL which is just icing on the cake for him. But like, to be fair, he's still getting like, what is it? He's still getting a $13,000 for the 30 days that he'll probably be injured. Cause they have said that he'll probably be out a month. Um, so I don't know how much sympathy I really have for him. Considering if I was <laughs> injured, I'd be making $0 in that time. Um, yeah. so yeah, like it sucks for him. And I think it'll show, if a guy like Yamamoto or Poliarvi or any of those guys can step up and not necessarily fill the void that he's left in the roster, 
because he like he's been impactful, but he hasn't been like a star player on the team. But it certainly gives those guys more of a chance to show what they can bring, especially coming up to this trade deadline, because who knows who's going to be here in the next week and a half by the time the trade deadline passes. Oh, my God. Yeah, just more and more news every single day. And I wonder how much closer we're getting to missing out on something or obviously something going not our direction. Um, uh, can we we go back in time just to cover those those big trades? And I guess kind of the one minor one today that we've got before we kind of dive in. Well, no, let's let's wrap this topic up. I'm all over the fucking place today, man. You really um, are, because this all started by you wanting to talk wait, about Yamamoto yeah, being Moto. back. <laughs> what are your thoughts about his return so far? I think he's been, like, okay. I feel pretty neutral about it. He's just come back from injury, so I don't know how high my expectations should be, but I would still like to see more out of him. I know he had, I think he had a breakaway in the Philly game that he didn't bury on. So, Mm -hmm. like, he might just need to get the monkey off his back again now that he's back from injury, but it took him quite a while to get it off his back last time, so I'm not exactly feeling the most patient at the moment. Yeah, I'm kind of getting irritable with, like, his play. Just, he seems really rusty. And I think a lot of that has to do with the injury time and not and not playing. But it feels like this is the common narrative that we have with Yamamoto. I don't think he's been the same since the the injury last year. Um, obviously, like everybody needs time to recoup and rehab, and people have bad you know stretches. But it feels like Yamamoto can't stay healthy enough to get that monkey off his back, for lack of a better term. See, I got a phrase right. Well, and to be fair, I think some people are. Being more critical of him than, say, the last time he came back from injury, because this time it meant sending Holloway and DeHarnay down. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, I, like, at least big... DeHarnay's back now, but that just means that's because, like, Kane's injured or Costin's out because he's sick. So, like, yeah. I don't know. We can't really catch a break right now, but everybody apparently on the Oilers has been sick lately. That's part of the reason DeHarnay wasn't playing, it's because apparently he was sick. Yeah, I heard there's there's a little bit of a bug going around the room. So hopefully that gets flushed out of the system a little bit. And hopefully we can attribute that to the, the three blown, well, two blown games. Jesus Christ, I should have prepared for this, man. Well, you should have just prepared a little bit harder. Let's just say that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, we're fine. Um, but yeah, like, I think speaking of trades and leading into that, is it kind of like yeah. a blessing in disguise that um holland hasn't pulled the trigger already considering say for example we trade traded pulyarvi and another forward and then we're lacking all these forwards as everybody's either getting injured or they're sick and we're having all these issues i i think it is a blessing i I really do um the other thing that kind of opens things up i know i mentioned the trades let's park that we'll talk about the other trades when we get to them um because i think if we're looking at where the oilers are at right now I think it's a blessing because it kind of opens up the idea with Evander Kane. Now, it sounds like Evander Kane's going to be out for a few weeks. We're at the end of February here. If he doesn't get cleared by doctors for a few more, like, there's your cap room. That is true if they decide to put him on, like, IR, but that's temporary cap. He's not probably going to be out until the playoffs, I would assume. We still have two well, months yeah, to go before the season technically ends. Yeah, but 
I mean, how many times have we seen players be like, again, fucking Mark Stone in Vegas? Of course. Like, I don't I know. Mean, Mark Stone's always injured, to be fair. <laughs> he he yeah, really can't catch a break. Yeah, that's true. It, it must be fun to go on LTIR and, you know, save $9 million every time you get hurt every 30 games. Once again, going back to the whole IR thing, I don't feel bad really for these guys because Mark Stone's still getting paid his nine and a half million dollars to now rehab his injury. Oh, I just meant from like the cap circumvention that they can have in Vegas. Well, yeah, of course, that's always like a factor, especially with Vegas. They're probably looking for that right now, considering how disappointing some of their players have been lately. Wasn't he the one that was out when they traded for Eichel? I think he was at the time, yeah. Like, <laughs> rinse and repeat, man. Yeah, they, uh, they've they got a lot going on in Vegas. And to be fair, I think they're probably one of the teams that's looking at a lot of the players that Edmonton's looking at. I know, I know. The, the big one that got took off the board last week, man, it was such a shitty night watching the, the end of that Oilers game, blowing the lead. Dry sidles, whatever the fuck that slap shot was. And <laughs> I've never shootout. laughed out loud so hard at something he's done. It was like that looked like me <laughs> just fucking around on the pond trying to see if I can actually raise the puck when I slap shot. Yeah, it was like it was like playing chill and accidentally hitting the wrong button. Um like and then on top of it, the the news of Ryan O'Reilly going to the Leafs. Like, that was a guy I thought could make a huge difference for the Edmonton Oilers. Well, I think O'Reilly was obviously on the Oilers' radar, considering, like, the defensive acumen and the championship pedigree that he brings to the to the Leafs now. Um, mm-hmm. But to be fair, at this time, I don't think Edmonton's too focused on getting a forward, especially one at his price point i know that there was essentially 75 percent of his cap being retained but edmonton still couldn't afford him because we have zero cap space right now we can can't even ice our full roster currently let alone yeah. bring more players in <laughs> yeah I, I it was just kind of a gut punch because you, you well you see a team that you don't like get better and then you see the team that you're watching too and every what whatever the fuck that was it was just it was a tough watch um, but I mean, we still got to look ahead and, and back to the theme, I think of, uh, you know, a blessing of not pulling the deal. I got, I got to ask about the pull Harvey thing, because there seems to be a lot of talks heating up about a possibility of extension. Now, is this a sign and trade situation that he's trying to add a little bit more value to whatever trade he's, um, he could be packaged in or are the Oilers like legitimately looking at extending this guy? Well, my only thought really on that would be, especially with how vocal Poliarvi's agent has been that he like Poliarvi's ready to move on and that he would like to continue his career elsewhere. I think it would just make the trade easier with more certainty considering Poliarvi's RFA and he might want What's the word I'm looking for? He might want more money than he's making now, or even the same money he's making now. Plus, you have to qualify him at three three million plus ten percent. So, yeah. with that, you don't have to worry about Pulleyarvi being on a three plus million dollar contract next year if they could extend him for one point five or something like that, considering his production this year. And mm-hmm. I doubt Holland will like fuck around with him and like 
sign him for 1.5 for two more years or something like that and be like, oh, yeah, we're not going to trade you now. I'm sure part of the extension will be like, you're going to get traded if you do this. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. It it was interesting to hear that. I, I Obviously, the first thought is just a sign and trade kind of situation. Um, I think Pugliarvi with a longer contract is going to add a little bit more value. Uh, not going to be anything, I think, hugely different to make a significant uh, reduction in what they'd have to give away for a, a Carlson or a Chikrin or whatever. But uh, I just, I don't know. I really don't know what the Oilers end up doing here because I, I'm having like this this weird like flip-floppy mindset every time they have Vinny DeHarnay in the lineup. Like, it's so stupid. I know I can't rely on a defenseman um, that's played less than a year in the NHL to make this team better, but what do you do? Like, in my eyes, and I'll get your thoughts right after this, the Oilers have to spend the next little bit looking at Carlson, personally, and if the Oilers are three days out from the trade deadline, you move on, and you start looking at defensive defensemen. Because I just, I don't think that there's going to be a last-minute deal for the Edmonton Oilers, and sure as shit have to lock up the uh, the uh, defensive side of things. I, I know DeArnay is great, but you can't rely on him. Yeah, I I do agree with you to a degree. I'm just <laughs> trying to think of how to put my words together into a proper sentence right now. Um, <laughs> like the team itself, there's been like rumors, I guess, because I don't know if it's been officially reported. That the players are like, say, McDavid and Drysaddle, the leadership group, they are more interested in getting a puck moving defenseman of sorts on this team. Absolutely. Um, versus bringing in a big defensive defenseman. And also, outside of like, I don't even know who's available who's a, considered a defensive defenseman outside of like Joel Edmondson, which apparently there's injury issues with him. So Edmonton <laughs> probably shouldn't touch him with a 10 foot pull. So unless they could really sneak one out under the radar from another team who's got a good defensive guy that they're for some reason willing to give up, like hypothetically, let's look at um, the Islanders. They have Pulak and Pelik over there who are both considered quite good defensive defensemen. Yeah. Um, and Barzell just got injured and he's out indefinitely. So maybe considering the Islanders are not in a, in a playoff spot, they might be considering moving on from one of those guys or something like that. I know they just traded for Horvat, but with the Barzell injury, it might absolutely fuck them over. Um, but if, unless you're getting a guy who's like high quality can play top pairing with nurse, like I'm not interested in just bringing in another depth, like right-handed defenseman who's a defensive defenseman, because like you mentioned, we have day to be our depth, right-handed defensive defenseman. Like, I think it just brings in more of the same when we just need a number like one top pairing kind of defenseman. So yeah, I don't think it's necessarily worth it. Yeah. Uh, the only guy I'd also potentially look at would maybe be like a Dmitry Orlov. Um, but I don't know. You've got Matt Dumba. I'm just looking at the, I don't think Dumba's what this team needs to be fair. I don't really like what he brings. Yeah, I, I'm just thinking outside of the names that have already been rumored, like the John Klingbergs, the Eric Johnsons, 
Um, I'm really not interested in, in Goss's bear, but what are your thoughts on Paranko? I love Colton Pareko. I love it. I, another reason that I love it is a lot of the time. Fuck Brad Marchant, by the way. Can we can we just circle back with him a little later? Man, um, you truly are all over the place. <laughs> I'll explain. There is a reason here. Um, I think with getting Colton Pareko, if you could intrigue him to come back, you got another St. Albert kid that's going to be in Edmonton. I don't think he's on the books for a couple of years, right? One or two years. Who, Pareko? Um, Pareko? He has like seven more years on his contract. That You caught my sarcasm? <laughs> he, oh, okay. <laughs> I did not get no. your sarcasm. <laughs> I was no, like, what like, do you even, mean? <laughs> you get a long-term uh, defenseman in there, um, but are the Blues going to move on from him? I don't know. They want uh, to because his stats are absolute dog shit this year. The, the reason that... What's that? I was just going to say, I like when it comes to your Paranko take here, I think you're stuck looking at 2019, like Stanley Cup final Paranko, and not what he's been for the past three years, which has been a third pairing anchor of a contract and a player. Yeah. I, I guess that's fair. I guess that's fair. I, I just, I'm tired of the, the Oilers are going to have to give up something. Um, and I'm tired of like the trades and you get those like rentals. Like I keep thinking of, I'm going to stop like thinking on the top of my feet because I'm never going to be able to think of uh, examples. But you bring Pareko over here and uh, I mean, you got extension on the contract. He's from here. There's a chance that he stays on later. Um, That was the fuck Brad Marchand thing. Um, But I mean, again, I can't I can't ignore the fact that he hasn't had a fantastic year. And what kind of player are you going to get for the next, you know? few years well you might just be bringing in another nurse essentially like in terms like i know the contract's not as big but he's just not like playing to the level of his contract which but how many how many more issues i was gonna say how many of those players can you afford to have uh, on a on a salary like we not to knock them but if things keep trending the way they're trending jack campbell you got to add to that list too no of course and like to be fair, in my opinion, on a Stanley Cup caliber team, you cannot afford to have any of those players on your team. Like, maybe you can get away with one, but it can't be that significant. Like, the only reason, for example, yeah. Colorado could get away with having Eric Johnson on seemingly not a great deal is because they still had, like, McCarr and Byram on, like, really good deals. So you have to kind of counterweight it if you're going to do that. And considering yeah. Drysaddle's on a great deal, Nuge is on a great deal, Hyman's on a great deal, like it makes it less painful this year at least. But I'm not saying those guys are going to regress per se, but further into those contracts or when Drysaddle's contract comes up, those contracts are going to be absolute anchors suddenly when you lose your value contracts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I love Paranko too. I do like fantasize a little bit about that six foot seven, like big defensive defenseman. I love thinking about having that on the team. And we got a guy, a guy like DeHarnay, but he just doesn't have the pedigree that Paranko has at this point. But pedigree isn't everything nowadays, considering guys seem to just fall off out of nowhere. Well, so I'm looking at his contract now too. He has a no trade clause, like through 2028. Do you think he's like? 
interested in like I'm sure he would waive it to come to Edmonton unless he's one of those guys who doesn't want to play in his hometown. Uh, no, I'm just saying like let's say we bring him over here and he's you know clicking at the six point five million dollars and you have to put up with that for the next three years and you need to move him off the list like woof. Well, I don't like to think about uh, like oh let's trade for this guy this year and then like we're already. Just thinking about it, we're already concerned about what it will be like in three years when he has seven years left on his deal. So I think that screams like that shouldn't be an option at all. But overall, I do agree that I would prefer to look at an actual hockey trade type deal, which we're getting a guy with term versus a rental. Like you look at Orlov, he's a rental um, yeah. So you'd rather look at guys like Carlson, like Chitrin, like Ekholm, these guys that actually have at least a few more years on their deals. Yeah, I, I can't disagree there. I, I'm, I don't think the Edmonton Oilers are in a spot that they can, you know, afford to go all out and get a rental because I, they're just missing too many pieces to if like if let's use the Carlson example. If you have to give up what you know, they're asking for Carlson. Granted, I know the reason the ask is so high because he has term, but if you have to give up that many assets and he walks at the end of the year, like you're, you're fucked because you're right back in the same position that you were a couple of years ago, trying to find players to fill in like half a team. Yeah, it's true. If you were to trade all that, like say Carlson only had this year left on his contract, but to be fair, like I think Carlson having term in this case is almost more detrimental to his value than it is an asset to his value. Just because it, it's eleven and a half million dollars for five more ah, years. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Like, and San Jose is not really overly interested in retaining salary. So if it, if you had Carlson, say he signed in, like he was at eight million or something like that, like mm-hmm. that would definitely be a great deal for him. But I think with the rumors of them not wanting to withhold and the length of that contract is injury history. That length of the contract is more detrimental than it is helpful to San Jose in terms of his value. I I can see your, your justification there. That, that makes sense. Uh, I just, well, and even, even to the note, like uh, you'd written it down and I heard it today. It, it sounds like the Oilers shot with Carlson's out the window. Like I'm not expecting that anymore. Uh, but I mean, things can change in a day. Look how much we've been on the roller coaster with Chickering over the past three months. Well, yeah, the amount of times you hear that Edmonton's like all in on him and then they're not and then they're back in and now they're not interested. Like, and it's the same with Carlson, to be fair. And it's just giving me a headache. But speaking of Chitrin, <laughs> apparently, like, I be- it feels like this is a less ask than I remember that apparently the ask is like a fir- two firsts or a first and a prospect that's equivalent to a first. Mm-hmm. Um, so like if that's the cost, I'm not overly afraid of looking at Chitron. Like if it was our, our first this year and I don't know, let's just say Borco or something like that. Like I wouldn't be super against it. Yeah. Uh, well, I was just going to build on that because I've heard that there's a lot of interest floating around on Reed Schaefer. Uh, I don't know if the Coyotes would be one of the ones involved in that, but I don't, I, I think I'd, I think I'd rather move Borgo than Reed Schaefer at this point. And I think it just purely comes down to the position that they play. 
Yeah, I think it's like the position definitely plays into it, but you can't argue with the reach Schaefer's size either. And yeah, Edmonton's always looking for more size in the lineup. Like, not that we're overly undersized, but like more physicality. You can see what it brings to this team when like the like guys like Kane came back to the lineup when Costin started playing well on in this lineup. Uh, Deharnay even coming. I know he's a defenseman, so it's not an exact comparison, but size makes a difference, especially in the playoffs. And I think Reed Schaefer, though he's probably a year behind in his development, considering when he was drafted, I think he would probably be more valuable to Edmonton in, let's just say, four years or three years when those contracts are coming up than like Borgo would be. Okay, so back to the Chikrin talk. Would you take a first and Borgo for that, that deal? I think I would do it, but the only problem is you'd have to make the money work. So there probably right. would be more hoops to jump through. So maybe it would be like, um, let's just throw Pugliarvi in there because why not? So let's go yeah. first, Borgo and Pugliarvi for Chitrin at 25% retained or something like that. Yeah, yeah. That's, Whatever that difference is to make the money work. Yeah, like, and I'm sure... Yeah. Arizona doesn't necessarily want to retain salary on a guy with term, but at the <laughs> same time, like they just traded for Shea Weber's contract today. So well, do fuck, they really got... give a shit? <laughs> They're paying everybody else. That's like unable to play right now. Well, exactly. <laughs> and I guess that segues yeah. into today's trade <laughs> where Vegas traded Shea Weber's contract for defenseman Dyson Mayo, who has one of the best names in hockey right now. Absolutely. Former oil king, Dyson Mayo. Yes. And to be fair, I forgot that Vegas even had Shea Weber's contract, and my brain was trying to make sense of how they could even afford to have it in the first place, but it's all LTIR, and they're at the cap already, so they didn't really give a shit. So I, I wonder how this works. Because Shea Weber was out there like coaching practice. Do you think they just like fucking take his whistle away and be like, sorry, dude, you gotta go coach another team? Well, it, it might be something like that. Maybe he'll be coaching Arizona now and be their defensive coach while he's still <laughs> on contract. But who knows? Like with these LTIR players, like they just do kind of whatever the fuck they want because they're never gonna play again. Like look at a guy like Clefbaum. Like, you know he's not just hanging out in Edmonton. He's back in yeah. Sweden with his family and doing things in his life. He might even have like a, a job. Maybe he's like running a wood shop or something like that. Who knows? He's not playing hockey though. That's all I know. Out fishing, apparently. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. I I I don't know what winds up happening uh with respect to like them wanting to retain money, especially like, especially with a current player. Like it's one thing to eat the salary of someone that's not going to play anymore just to get to that cap floor. But yeah, I'm kind of with you. I don't think they eat or want to eat any, uh, anything on a, a current active player. I mean, Chikrin's out of the lineup enough to make it question down the line, whether or not they'll be paying for a, a non-active player. But, uh, I don't know. I, I don't like the fit in Edmonton. I just, I just don't. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I'm not like, I'm not against Chitrin 
And I know you're yeah. talking about the fit in Edmonton, and that's probably more lefty versus righty mindset. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I'm not against Chitrin, and I think he's certainly an option and one that we should consider. Um, yeah, but I, think I don't want point- to trade the farm for him just to make a move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess that's a good segue into not a good fit in my eyes because the the one player that the Oilers continue to circle around uh, from all reports is a Van, or not a Vander Kane, Patrick Kane. Um, See, that's why I don't want to trade for him because it'll be so Just confusing. the names? Just Kane and Kane and then there's going to be a jersey that says E. Kane and then one says P. Kane and <laughs> it's the Sedins all over again. <laughs> I it's funny I was watching the uh um the highlights last night with some buddies and and showed the the breakaway goal that he had that got called back but the the buzzer beater it's like well that's unfair to allow him to score on his new team <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 don't I just thought I, of it more that he was mad that Toronto didn't trade for him so he's like I'm going to just score a hat trick <laughs> on these guys fucking Patty Kane has Vegas Golden Knights written all over him. I mean, considering the move they made today, and like you mentioned earlier, Mark Stone going on LTIR, it kind of it wouldn't surprise me, especially because then he could play with Eichel, and it's similar to Kane said he wanted to play with Matthews, not that Eichel is equivalent to Matthews, but they're both like the American young centers that are like the best American players in the game right now, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, like, I don't know. It kind of goes back to two philosophies. Uh, when you you look at Ken Holland, like you you brought it up about whether it's a good thing that we've waited this long, or are we jealous that you know? Are we? I am I jealous that Kyle Dubas just like put his balls all the way in and said we're going for it? Like to be fair, I think Kyle Dubas might get fired if they don't win the cup this year. That might be, yeah, it might be the selfish move if they don't get round one. I could see him even getting fired after that, but like, yeah, I'm with you. I just, I don't know what you rather want, but I keep feeling like we're playing the safe game like longer and longer and longer. And McDavid and Dreisaitl's contract keep, you know, slipping away. But I, I don't know. I keep flip flopping because I, I'm more of a conservative risk type player, player, uh, fan. <laughs> <laughs> man if i was only playing um i just i don't uh i don't know what i want the oilers to do but i just i'm tired of waiting i'd rather just see some sort of move um some sort of gumption that isn't you know at right at deadline it just always feels like we're like oh there's a couple guys available wait to the last hour and we'll throw you know get a bunch of tire parts at the end of the uh the deadline yeah, like I don't really want to it's kind of it's kind of awkward because like the way you're phrasing that makes it sound like you want to make a trade just so we make a trade. But then at the say on the same note, if we make a trade at the last second, for example, it feels like we're making a trade just to make a trade and we just couldn't decide, so we just decided to pull the trigger at the last second on something. And then we could also make no trade. And then everybody will yeah. be pissed off about that because they're like, once again, we decided to do fucking nothing or some minor ass bullshit trade, like bringing in Derek Broussard or something like that. I so think like, you, uh, ah, it's just so uh, annoying. It's very frustrating as a fan to sit here and think 
because like, but it's kind of like what you said earlier. Edmonton doesn't just have one hole on their team. They have several different holes that we would like to fill kind of like always. So like the one trade you can make, say we bring in Eric Carlson, like, yes, that does solve one issue, but it just brings up more issues and possibly enhances other issues that we have, or even brings in new issues that we don't have. Yeah. I I just back to that, like prior comment that you had. Um, I think you perfectly acknowledge what I said as the perfect dichotomy of an Oilers fan where it's like, do something and do it fucking now. And then, you know, if nothing does happen, it's like, why the fuck did you just do this and get nothing? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, I want you to make a trade. And then (laughs) if you don't make a trade, I'm going to be mad. If you do make a trade, I'm probably going to be mad regardless because your return you got was garbage. And now I'm mad about that. I and don't like, know what I want. You can't you can't please everybody, obviously. Like yeah. some people are gonna be mad, like say you trade Pulley away. Some people fans are gonna be mad just because you traded him away, regardless of the value you get back on the other end. Unless it's like one for one for fucking Nathan McKinnon or something like that. And even yeah. then, somebody will probably be like, But Pulley has such high good defensive stats. Come on, man. <laughs> the question was posed to me last night. Uh, if you could take Darnell Nurse and trade him one for one, where would the threshold be? Like, where, how far down the line would you go in terms of available defensemen, not available in trade block, but like available in the NHL before it would be like too little return? Well, for you kind of you have to balance the quality of the player and the contract. So like, that's pretty much all it comes down to. So like you could look at a guy, like, obviously you'd be like, yes, Kale McCarr. Yes. Adam Fox. Uh, let's, let's look at Carolina. Yes. You take Jacob Slavin. Um, I'm trying to think of a defenseman who's good that I wouldn't actually be interested in, in a one for one swap. Like, Like, I think it gets down to Jared Spurgeon. You know what I mean? Like I would still pull the trigger on that. Cause I think like Spurgeon has a really good contract. Um, yeah. Would you do it for Seth Jones? It's like probably no. not because Seth Jones is both no. worse and has a worse contract. Uh, would you do it for Zach Rorensky? He has a pretty probably dog not. shit contract, um, but he's arguably a bit of a better player, though he is injured all year. So like you could play that game forever and just like take a list of the top scoring defensemen and just be like, okay, who would you where would you draw the line? Mm-hmm. But I, I thought know. it was an interesting question. Uh, it's, it really got me thinking. I was like, well, yeah, it really helped out with like, what do I want for this team? What do I want the Oilers to pick up? Well, like you would just trade them for a number one defenseman. That's really yeah. all you want at the end of the day. Yep. Uh, I digress. Uh, taking a look, uh, anything else on trade topics? I, I don't really think so. I th- think we've randomly talked about everything. Um, yeah. Like the only other thing I would have to add is like, apparently Patrick Kane's just making his own choice. So don't think that he's going to want to even come to Edmonton in the first place, even if Edmonton is truly interested. Ah, I remembered what I wanted to talk about. Mr. Brad Marchand. I did see Ma- a few comments in him causing some stirrings, but I didn't actually read any of it. Man, there's not a more entertaining player to follow on Twitter 
but never more one that you can get pissed off when it's redirected at you. <laughs> like he is the most savage like person when it comes to responses out of probably anyone in the NHL. But uh, the tweet that comes up for those of you who don't know, there's a, a picture talking about the 2024 NHL All-Star game being considered in Seattle, Edmonton, and Detroit. And his comment on the Instagram post was, boy, can't wait to see how many players boycott this game. And, of course, that pissed off a lot of people, probably in Edmonton more than anywhere, because, I mean, of the other two cities. Not, not bad cities to go, you know, for an All-Star game. Clearly a shot at Edmonton. And uh, someone took a shot at him basically saying how, and I, I don't love the response, but it uh, was basically how Alberta's too tough for him, um, so he has to act like a little baby. And so he's like, if I'm being such a baby, like try finding a player that, and I'm paraphrasing, try finding a player that'll take less money that actually wants to stay there. Uh, by the way, I'd like to say that Nuge did that, but... I mean, probably <laughs> did that too. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's... I don't know. It got me, man. It got me. He's such a troll and he's so good at it. <laughs> and he's even trolling fans on Twitter at this point because he's tired of trolling all the NHL players. Yeah. Like, yeah. to be fair, I'm going to be devil's advocate that these all-star players, would you want to come to Edmonton Whoa. in mid of January when it's minus 30, minus 40 Sean, potentially? We have, we have breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Uh, the Sens have traded Nikita Zaitsev. I mean, I'm pretty disappointed with how breaking that news is. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Where is going to be the next question? Sorry, I cut you off. I just, I got the Frank Valley tweets on, on notification here. Oh, that's okay. God, that missed. I was like so excited for a second. You're like, the Sens traded. I was like, oh, who did they trade for? Did they trade for Timo Meyer or something? I was like, no, they traded away Nikita Zaitsev. He's the <laughs> fucking pro or blue chip prospect or not prospect player in that trade. Like, <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. He's the headliner. <laughs> okay. So what I was trying to say was I'm going to play devil's advocate to a degree here. So say you're these players, you're these all-star players and it comes to the all-star uh, game. Would mm -hmm. you be like, would you want to come to a potentially minus 30 or even minus 40 Edmonton for a week during this all-star break when all of your like fellow players who aren't going to the all-star game are in Turks and Caicos and all these <laughs> other places? Like at even least this the year they went Edmonton? to Florida. Yeah. Even the players in Edmonton are heading south. Well, and like, and that's the thing, but at the, on the same note, these players need to figure their shit out and realize that the all-star game isn't for them and that it's for the fans and especially the kids. And yeah, that's absolutely. what it comes down to. It's not, it's not in the, in the schedule so they can have a little vacation and take a break during the middle of the year. It's there. So it's just more for the fans and for like the kids. And that's, yeah. I think that's more something that the, like the players and the PA and the NHL have to figure out together that that is the purpose of it and to stop thinking about it in that it's like you're the best player you go to the all-star game kind of thing and it's that like you are a personality in the nhl and you need to go out there and make the league money i know it's probably yeah. a bit of a corporate way to look at it but at the same time it's like 
these players need to stop being so, I don't know, NBA star player attitudes toward things. Well, yeah, and I mean, if if that's what you want, build a rink in Turks and Caicos. Send only the good players there. I mean, and they could do something like, say they wanted to do an all-star game, they could go out and like do a game out on Lake Louise or something like that. Do the all-star game out there. Like, it doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be in Edmonton, per se. They could just come to Alberta and do something. Yeah, I think that'd be sick. Like, that would be awesome. But well, like, I, I think I've talked about that. it with a few people. I don't know if I talked about it with you or even on this podcast. That, like, what's that? say the, the Oilers in Calgary are playing in a yeah. Heritage Classic. There should be, like, an outdoor classic game where they play and they go and they play, like, on Lake Louise or something like that. I think that would be oh, really God. cool, yeah. and it would be similar to what they did with uh, I can't rem- I can't remember now the lake name in the U.S., but there was a uh, I can't rem- even remember who played. I think it was Colorado. Like lake Tahoe. Yeah, lake Tahoe. Lake that's Tahoe. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Like it would be super cool if they did something like that. I don't. It doesn't even have to be Lake Louise, but it could be like any other lake that just has easy access and it's a big ass lake. Yeah, I think that would be absolutely killer. Absolutely yeah. killer. Moral of the story, Brad Marchand sucks. It's cold. <laughs> and yeah, I should put socks on because I can't feel my feet. Okay, well, <laughs> wrap things up here. Uh, just some housekeeping notes here. The Oilers play Thursday, Saturday, and Monday against Pittsburgh, Columbus, and Boston. We're getting closer and closer to the end of that Eastern uh, Eastern swing. And uh, yeah, just to tie the end, I guess Zaitsev is going to Chicago. So all that oh, excitement wow. Wait, for nothing. Like, why does he, that even matter? I'd be more interested in who's going from Chicago to Ottawa. Like, why is Zaitsev the important player in that trade? I don't understand. I, I don't know. I do not know. <laughs> oh, it's just a cap dump, I guess. But um, I'd also like to just state that uh, the Columbus game is at 1030 a.m. for anybody who hates watching hockey games that early. Yeah, I'll take 1030 over two o'clock. Every yeah, this is day of the week. This is the last 1030 game of the year. I went and checked the schedule because I was interested in that. And there's two more matinee games after this one, and they okay. are both at 2 p.m. Watch to only get into playoffs to have 2 p.m. Saturday, Sunday games. It's against one against Seattle and one against San Jose. So okay. the Seattle game will probably have playoff implications. Yes. Yeah. They're coming down to earth a little bit, hey? Yeah, a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll say that for another podcast. Lots to talk about. Uh, the Oilers. Let's see if we have any deals to talk about next week, but uh, three big games against some Eastern teams. Uh, not exactly going to be the easiest uh, matchup, so we'll uh, we'll catch up with you after the Boston game this Monday.